Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fast Charge. This is yet another week where it is just the three of us, I'm afraid. I guess we are just the, like, unpopular kids in Tech Advisor these days. No one well, wants to join us. No one wants I, to hang out with us on a Thursday afternoon anymore. Nobody wants to sit with us. I didn't realise that everyone else has taken the day off tomorrow, so it's just going to be, like, me, Lewis, Emma, and Hannah, and that's the yeah, whole team. I completely missed that memo. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, just no one's working tomorrow. I'm not working tomorrow. I'm quite, you know, happy to not be working tomorrow. Uh, yeah, for yeah, those I'm, I'm very overseas, sorry, sorry for you we too. We have a, a three-day weekend, so Dom's making it a four-day weekend next to the back of the day. want. I've got very the smart. entire week off next week, so I'm very oh. happy. Oh, oh yes. well, there you go. That's unfair. <laughs> Anyway, right, we uh, have a quite a bit to talk about today. It is a relatively slow news week after last week's absolute deluge of announcements. Last week, if you don't remember, there were so many phones, we literally couldn't cover them all. Even in the opening news segment where I just rattle through lists of phones people have said, there were more than I could list in that bit. Uh, This week, in turn, there are zero new phones. Absolutely none. No one wanted to announce a phone, as far as I could tell, except like one moto g50 variant that launched in australia and is slightly different to the g50 in the rest of the world and i just don't think that counts i'm sorry australia um what we are going to talk about today is the fitbit charge 5 which is the update to what i think is probably fitbit's best-selling tracker line i think that's probably fair to say certainly one of the most popular one in every 10 fitbits is a charge yeah or something which is quite a high proportion Given how actually bright their lineup, yeah. broad their lineup is, and, and yeah. that it's not the cheapest end of it, um, so new charge, which is actually a fairly big change for the charger, is you know considering we're uh, quite a few charges in, we're on the fifth one now. They have shaken things up a little bit. This isn't just a, a straightforward update. Uh, then we are going to turn to a roundup of all things iPhone 13. Uh, Lewis is our in-house Apple expert, and he has spent most of the last 12 months obsessing over what the iPhone 13 <laughs> is going to be. Uh, and with rumors now circulating and beginning to coalesce around the launch day, sometime in September, we think we know the date now. We have a pretty good picture of what these phones are going to look like, so we thought now would be a good time to visit that uh, ahead of the actual launch, probably in three or four weeks. And then finally, we are going to revisit Samsung because Toddy has spent the last week or two testing out the Galaxy Watch 4, and he is going to give us his final review, his thoughts on this watch, and obviously on the software, which is one of the exciting things we've spoken about a lot on the show already. Before that, let's run through the other little bits and pieces that have broken out of the news cycle this week, uh, even if none of them are actual whole entire phones. Uh, First up, we've had quite a few little Pixel 6 bits and pieces. Um, Obviously, Google revealed a lot about the Pixel 6 a couple of weeks ago, and then the Pixel 5a just got surprise launched um, a, a week later. But since then, we've had some more little drips and drabs of Pixel 6 news. So from this week, what we've kind of picked out is it looks very likely it's going to have an in-screen fingerprint sensor, which is a very welcome change. It looks likely it's going to jump up to 33 watt charging, which is an improvement, but with the big caveat that it looks like the charger will not be included in the box, so you're still (laughs) going to have to buy that. Um, And the latest thing is it looks like it should have support for ultra-wideband, which is that tech that's being thrown into things like the Samsung Smart Tags Plus and all this high-tech, fancy tracking tech going around the place. Uh, And also, interestingly, that it looks like the modem might come from Samsung. Uh, 
which kind of makes sense because the tensor chipset is supposedly some well is is samsung as well that is the partnership um Google hasn't confirmed the modem itself, but you could still have that Samsung chip with a Qualcomm modem. It looks like they are actually going fully Samsung with this, um, which is mostly interesting, I think, because to my knowledge, there are no Samsung modems in 5G phones in the US. This will be the first one. Uh, Qualcomm has entirely dominated that market because even the iPhones use a Qualcomm 5G modem. Um, so it's actually, yeah, I, I think I saw the uh, David Immel, who used to write for Android Authority, um, and is now at NKVHD's team. Uh, he tweeted he wouldn't have had it in his 2021 bingo card for the iPhone to go Qualcomm while the Pixel 6 has absolutely <laughs> zero Qualcomm tech inside it. Uh, that is unexpected, but it does look like that's where we are. Uh, next up, Oppo has unveiled, wait for it, MagVook. The tech, I believe we predicted right down to the name yeah. just two weeks ago on the show. Uh, this is Oppo's take on uh, MagSafe, which we've already seen Realme's take on in MagDot. Um, Realme and Oppo are both part of the same parent company. It will not shock you to learn that they've already hinted that MagDot and MagVook may in fact be the same technology and may in fact be cross-compatible. No. Uh, what's funny is that Realme announced theirs first, obviously, uh, and the Oppo press statement is very much to the effect of, yes, we developed this tech and shared it with Realme. Uh, <laughs> so they've already kind of undermined Realme's announcement. They're like, no, Realme didn't do this anything here. This is for all a, Oppo. <laughs> for a global announcement, it does seem odd that Oppo took the backseat on this unveiling because then Very it was everyone strange. saying Realme, Magda, yeah. and Apple MagSafe for like the two names bouncing around the internet. You feel like Oppo would have wanted to and could have pulled rank basically being... Yes being the more established brand there. So it's strange that this is the way around it went. It's probably just why but that would have happened. It's got to be the name. Magvook, what is that? Imagine standing <laughs> up on stage and actually saying that, for, like, seriously. <laughs> yes, I, I, I am love... impressed Oppo was stuck with Vook as the term yeah. for its charging tech for so long. Like, I, I always kind of, I enjoy when acronyms feature an acronym as one of the letters in that mm. acronym. <laughs> this is almost like an even worse interpretation of that, where it's half acronym, half... Half a, half a word dropped off. Yeah, yeah they forgot it's... it was an acronym at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so this is new magnetic charging tech. They have basically confirmed that it and Realme's MagDot function the same thing. But that is welcome news because we did say at the time that what we really need on the Android side for True. this to take off is for this to become for there to be some sort of universal standard. And we did say at the very least we needed to see that within the same, you know, big company families like Realme and Oppo and OnePlus all together under BBK. So this is a small start, but a welcome one. It still doesn't mean that we're going to see, say, cross-compatibility between Oppo and Xiaomi or Samsung, which is probably a, a longer ask. I feel like this is not something that OnePlus would immediately jump on as a technology. They've been uh, they've mm. been pushing that, you know, they, they were popularizing their basically branded version of, of VOOC fast charging for years, but they were very slow with like wireless charging as a thing. Yeah. Um, and they still, I think only really do one proprietary wireless charger that can do that fast 33 watt I th I wireless. Think technically they have two now because both right, of right. the pros have the two pros that had wireless charging. The second one was a faster speed. So they, they okay. had a different charger for it. Um, but yes, they only went in on wireless charging when they could do fast wireless charging. Yeah. 
And so I do wonder if we'll see the same tactic here for one pass, which is to wait until they can do... When I guess we do have that one fast, bulky mag dart thing with the fan with on the, the back. Fan it's in not it, yeah. very appealing. <laughs> so I think when there's a slimmer, fast charging version of this might be when OnePlus jumps on. Mm. But with the tighter connection to Oppo now, who knows? They could announce it anytime soon. You know, all bets are off now a bit with OnePlus and the way their brand goes. Speaking of, uh, the OnePlus 9T, one of the safest bets in this year's uh, phone calendar, you would have thought is maybe not coming. And we've actually said this before on the show, I think we spoke about a few weeks ago, that it was rumoured by uh, the leaker Max Jamble basically said, no 9T, it's not on the way. Um, Funny enough, after that, OnePlus tweeted a photo of a OnePlus 9 in a box of tea leaves um, with the caption, it's just a OnePlus 9 and some tea, you know, don't read too much into it. So obviously everyone read a lot into it. But we don't know if the 9T is coming or not. What we do know is that the 9RT is coming which is the T version of the 9R, the China and India exclusive phone that was kind of the the new third leg of the flagship lineup. Um, but the site's reporting, Android Central is sort of the, the one of the, the biggest uh, set of info on the 9RT. They say this is the only flagship. There is no 9T, there is no 19 Pro. All there is is a 9RT. And it's once again going to be India and China only. So the US and Europe are supposedly not getting another OnePlus flagship for the rest of the year which is interesting. Uh, the 9RT, for what it's worth, is a fairly safe update of the 9R. The display is the same. Um, a lot of the core specs are the same. It's getting Snapdragon 870, which I think is the same. I think the main change is a camera upgrade, but actually, funny enough, it's just getting the same main camera as the Nord 2. So it's getting that 50 megapixel sensor that the Nord 2 uses, that the 9s use as their wide angle, is now going to be the main camera for the 9RT, supposedly. Uh, and we're meant to see that in October, so we'll see. I'm still kind of expecting to see a regular 9T, to be honest. I know all the leaks are going the other way, but I can't for the life of me see why OnePlus's global Twitter account would tease a 9T if they're not <laughs> releasing one. Um, I, know, I know OnePlus does some weird stuff on social media. Uh, we didn't really talk about the sort of half-priced I was about to say, do we not? on Fold Day. Um, they do some dodgy social media stuff I think it's fair to say but still teasing a phone you're not launching feels like asking for trouble (laughs) Uh, I mean just looking Alex in the comments has said OnePlus needs to spill the tea if any company like OnePlus they need is to like spill maybe, less tea they need to yeah, hold on to their tea their favourite thing to do is to like give you every perceivable element of their forthcoming devices minus like the price before launch yeah. Now that LG is out of the game for the time being, if not forever, they're kind of the only brand that really leans into this strategy. So yeah, yeah they definitely, less tea would actually be appreciated, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, I would honestly love it. I had this thought the other day, how amazing it would be if they have managed to successfully convince the leakers that they've cancelled this phone. And we are then genuinely going to get surprised by a phone they've managed to hide from leakers. Like at the launch event. Yeah. I was like, What? Because yeah, that, that would, be would actually be great. And it would be a nice response to the fact that they've had this launch strategy for so long where they reveal everything. And because there were initially leaks on the 9T. You know, there were yeah. some spec releases, like not releases from OnePlus, but a few leakers tipping certain specs, which don't match up perfectly to what we've seen about the 9RT. So it doesn't feel like it was that phone they were talking about. So it feels like there was a device in question. I'm really hoping OnePlus has found a way to completely hide this thing from, from leaks. But that's very that optimistic of me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving on, uh, we have a couple bits of Xiaomi news to round things off. First up, the company has a no- announced a launch event on September 15th. 
So that's coming up in two and a half, three weeks. That is, in theory, just after we're going to see the iPhone, but we will get to that. Um, <laughs> we don't know exactly what to expect here. Maybe phones, maybe not. We've seen some rumors of a Xiaomi 11T series coming to Europe, sort of remixed versions of the 11. Uh, 11 there'd be an 11T and 11T Pro, I think. Uh, there's also some Redmi stuff. There's a phone called the Redmi Prime that there's been a few leaks about, so it could be something to do with that. Obviously, Xiaomi also has its whole ecosystem of fitness trackers. There's been lots of talk of maybe Xiaomi doing laptopy stuff for, for Europe. There's, of course, the Mi Pad, which we've seen get its launch in China, and, and the Mi Mix 4. It could be that this is going to be global launch details for one of them. They might be part of this. We don't know, basically, but Xiaomi stuff on the way. Um, and then the final Xiaomi thing, kind of interesting. They are officially dropping the Mi branding. Uh, which is not to say that they're just going to be Zhao, but rather than being <laughs> the Xiaomi Mi, they will be just Xiaomi. Uh, so the Xiaomi Mi 12 will be the Xiaomi 12, which I think makes an awful lot of sense. This is actually how they branded things in China already. It was some odd concession to the Western markets to have this Mi that sat in between Xiaomi and the product name. Uh, and I think a lot of people have kind of suggested that that was probably a pronunciation thing, worrying about people hitting Xiaomi and not knowing what to do with it. But if you can just talk about the Mi 11, that's a lot oh, easier yeah. for people to get their heads around. Um, but clearly, they are now confident enough in the Xiaomi brand uh, that they're pretty happy to just drop that, simplify things. So now there's just going to be Xiaomi and Redmi and much cleaner no unnecessary me's just popping up in the middle of product names cluttering up the place that does confuse me especially with their scooters they put it in different places for every scooter it feels like so it's not like a consistent yes. thing either yeah oh really yeah it's it's, it's not entirely predictable is it no. where where you're going to suddenly run into a me in the middle of a product <laughs> well i and i think the podcast generally is all for having simpler phone names generally i am surprised just because they're like so much of their branding like they're their logo logo is just the word me m i not xiaomi yes and their websites all over the world are me.com slash whatever so they are keeping the orange me logo because of course mm. you may some people listening may remember the talk of the launch event relatively recently where they talked about that they'd updated that me logo <laughs> painstakingly to go from I mean, they changed money? shades of How orange much money was that? slightly and either rounded or unrounded the corners i can't remember which one it was uh, but they spent half an hour talking about these minute changes they'd made to the Orange Me logo. But they are keeping that, and that is to represent the company as a whole. Mm. And then now that is the main Xiaomi logo is that Orange Me. And then within that, things will be split into Xiaomi and Redmi. And those, the Xiaomi products like that have a, have a Xiaomi logo that's the whole word. So the flagships will be there, and then the cheapest stuff will have the Redmi logo. And they say that will filter through to actually the whole ecosystem, um, not mm. just the phones. So a bit of a switch to how they're, they're branding things, which I think is welcome, uh, but you know, relatively minor in, in the grand scheme of things. Right, let's turn to today's main topic, which is the Fitbit Charge 5. Uh, Toddy, you were covering this for us and you were briefed on by Fitbit ahead of the news announcement, so you know an awful lot more than me about the Charge 5. So I'm going to hand over to you. Uh, yeah, no, that's totally cool. Basically, the Charge 5 is... 
Um, earlier I said it was one in 10 um, Fitbit trackers out there being worn by people is um, is a charge. It's actually one in three. I just checked my notes. So they wow. are insanely of, popular yes. as a line of trackers. I think in terms of like, if you look at Fitbit's portfolio right now, if you're not familiar with it, it's basically two kind of different schools of tracker design. Mm-hmm. So there's these thin tracker style um, wearables and then there's smartwatch style wearables, which are things like the Sense, the Versa range, etc. The Ionic mm-hmm. before that. Um the charge is basically the best tracker that they do. And it usually is the first tracker to adopt the more advanced features. Um, the charge four was a big one. Um, even though it looked like a minor update visually, it integrated GPS for the first time. So it was the first mm-hmm. of their tracker style wearables to have built in GPS. So you could run without your phone and track your route, which is nice. Um, then last year they introduced the sense, uh, which is a smartwatch, but it focused on not like, fitness and working out so much as it did well-being and that included mindfulness things like breathing and stress management it had a sensor called the was it the e not ekg although it does do ecg as well mm. eda sensor um and a app that goes with that um i can tell you the official meaning behind eda but i can't find it right now i feel um, like it's one of those medical acronyms where knowing it's all absolutely the words one doesn't of those medical help acronyms. i remember seeing <laughs> yeah. it in your coverage and being like knowing all those words has not explained any more to it's me like what electrical what it dermal something it's basically it's using yeah it's a skin touching sensor that can help with stress evaluation um a lot of that is basically what is now making its way into the charge 5 so when i was thinking about it just before the show i was like basically they have turned the charge 5 into a fitness tracker rather than it being this smartwatch style tracker Mm. there's a few other tweaks to obviously turn turn Um, the sense into a tracker you mean it's sort of taking the tracking of the sense but stripping out the smartwatch side Yes, yes. Yeah. So, and it looks more like a tracker than it does the kind of Apple yes. Watch square bodied smartwatches yeah. that we've seen from Fitbit on that side of things. If that makes any sense, hopefully you're sticking with <laughs> me here. Um, the, the other big obvious difference is that the Charge 5 uh, features a color display, which we've never had on a Charge or any of their other trackers. Um, I didn't I think the realize Lux... the Charge 4 hadn't had one. I, yeah, in my I, head, I mean, they'd already done a color display on the tracker. I quite I like confused. the monochromatic look. I think it looks super mm. clean, but I, I understand like just in terms of people want features and you can convey more information with adding color, which yep. is, you know, it's, it's a nice color screen as well. It's an AMOLED display, so it should be good. That have the size of resolution, but the dimensions look about the same as the Charge 4. The main mm-hmm. difference as well, aesthetically, is that it's more rounded and curved. It was something that if you uh, checked out our Fitbit Lux review um, and a few of the recent other Fitbits on both sides of the tracker smartwatch divide have adopted much more kind of natural forms. And that's yeah. now on the Charge line, which is probably one of the last kind of big products in Fitbit's portfolio that was kind of still representing the kind of more slab-sided, sharp-edged design language that they'd used previously. Yeah, so there's almost no yeah. straight lines on this thing at all, looking no, at it. No. it, it, it it's nice. curved pretty much everywhere and, and very sleek looking. Yeah, yeah, and, and as before, you can change the straps and you get different body colours. Um, it's a stainless steel body. There's no buttons. Um, it is a touchscreen, but the, the metal running down the side, the stainless steel running down the side is what ties into the sensor mm-hmm. um, on the back as well. So that's how you do both... Uh, the EDA stress stuff and ECG for heart rate detection. It's got AFib detection, which is basically irregularities in your heart rhythm, kind of the kind of much more nitty gritty health and well and well being stuff now that all of these wearables seem to be focusing on. Um, and it has a bunch of stuff that we'd already seen from previous trackers in Fitbit's portfolio, like uh, sleep detection and sleep tracking. Um, blood oxygen sensing is one that is pulled from the sense as well I'm pretty sure and maybe the mm-hmm. Versa 3 as well uh, which is good um, and then 
Fitbit is now, of course, if you don't know, has a premium paid subscription service. And each time they announce a new big Fitbit product, they usually roll out a new feature that's kind of tied just to premium. And what they did with the Charge 5 was uh, readiness. You get a readiness score. It's your daily readiness score. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are part of the subscri- subscriber base, um, it basically tells you each morning whether your body is ready to work out and push really hard or whether it's a recovery day. And oh. if you are part of their subscriber base... Um, then you can access one of 500 plus workouts. That's video and audio guided workouts. They also have partners from, they've just added Les Mills, if you know that, which is kind of like a full body uh, crossfit kind of vibe, intense workout mm-hmm. um, regimes that you can get access to. But also they partner with the companies like Calm, which if you've used, you mm-hmm. know, like a Headspace equivalent nice. service, they have audio podcasts and, and meditations that you can just play and they sync with the the charge five as well so like some of the eda information from that stress sensor can tie into the um how often you're listening to like soothing content or guided meditations yeah. or whatever so it's meant to be a whole holistic approach to your fitness and well-being that they kind of kicked off last year in a big way when they introduced the sense that was the first one that really pushed that yeah and bring it to the charge makes that technically more accessible and cheaper totally. um and if you buy a Charge 5 new, you also get six months of uh, premium included in the price, which they used to do three months. So they've kind of upped oh, that, which is that. nice as well. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Just to hook you in. Um, did really? they did they say on the readiness score what metrics they're using to figure that out? I'm um, just, they, it's quite intriguing how they get that. Yeah. In the briefing, they didn't specify. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure you could probably dig into their website and yeah. find out what that actually is. But they just said it was various metrics that the Charge 5 can detect. So that <laughs> right. is everything that you would expect from a high-end fitness mm-hmm. tracker, including heart rate, including stress, including um, recovery. And you know, fitness, especially if you have premium, you get a full breakdown of all the different aspects of fitness and mm-hmm. sleep as well as a huge, huge one too. Um so it's using all of those metrics, basically any metrics that the Fitbit app can detect and read and log. Mm-hmm. That's how they're using it to calculate their readiness score. I don't know exactly what algorithm they're using yeah. or, or what process they would. I'm used. very curious what they Magic. think are the main the main <laughs> metrics that tell you whether your body's in recovery or or recovered. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Got- I mean, I've sat through a lot of uh, polar briefings as well, and they have all sorts of own brand. Uh, numbers that they love to throw at you based on metrics that their wearables do. So it's a very similar kind of approach. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Huawei does a similar thing, but it's based on the exercise that you do. So once you've exercised, depending on how intense that exercise was, it'll give you a recommended time, uh, recovery time, so that you shouldn't exercise for the next 17 hours or something like that. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. I would imagine Fitbit factor that in too, but who knows? Yeah, a big thing they launched last year with the Charge 4, actually. Oh, no, not last year, now 2019 with the Charge 4 was active zone minutes. That was another metric that they created, which is basically uh, how active you should be each day. So this is just effectively an evolution of that. I do Um, wonder in this space what happens when they run out of metrics. and Or more, perhaps importantly, they they have run out of metrics. (laughs) You know, they've already gotten there, clearly, because they're coming up with stuff like this. So, like, at what point do they add one metric too many? You know what I mean? Where when you're tracking this stuff, how many... You already open one of these health tracking apps, especially if you use a a scale as well, and Fitbit has scales that do body composition on these things. When you've got the one app that's telling you how many steps you've done, your active zone minutes, your fat and muscle and water percentages, plus your actual weight, plus your BMI... 
plus how well you've been sleeping, plus your stress score, plus your readiness. You, you know, how many how many things do people actually really want to keep track of on the go? And I do wonder whether at what point we then see the pushback where we see the inevitable brow, inevitable brand come out and I just realise it's definitely going to be nothing. I was about to say, yep. <laughs> that comes out with a tracker that's just like, we only do steps, you know, and that's it. And that's the message. Wow. It's like, You're just a pedometer. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it was funny when I was looking back at our, all of our reviews and I looked at the imagery, like I forgot, like Fitbit used to do these, these trackers that just had five like LEDs on them and they, that yeah. just ticked up through the day. Yeah. It yeah. was effectively a pedometer. Some of them added in, I think things like not yeah. heart rate, but, but other metrics too, that you could look at when you had it paired to your phone. But I kind of miss that pure, simple tracking thing. Like I, I'm all for the quantified self and I know that it can be really yeah. helpful for a lot of people mm-hmm. and having more metrics to track is informative even if you personally don't use them all someone might use a different set of metrics and you have both options from one product so i I understand that but um yeah funny enough like i usually float because i'm tech head geek man i love looking at you know the technical side of of all of these products that we're testing so i float especially from a design perspective whether my wife would like the smartwatch I'm wearing right mm-hmm. now, whether she mm-hmm. thinks it's a good looking watch or not. Um, and one of the things that she wants to in, in a fitness tracker is one without a screen. And there's only really a couple of options out there that are still worth. They've almost all gone. Yeah. Yeah. They've all pretty much died out. Um, yeah. So, so I would totally be, see a, a, a gap in the market now for a simpler tracker or one that looks yes. simpler at the, at the very least. Part of the reason I still like the uh, the Withings ones that look like analog watches and yeah. will just give you the Absolutely. step count or something on the screen and other than that it's just a watch and they actually have a lot of data it's just in the app for when you want to get at it. I but think that's wrist, a better approach. It's not there. That's generally. what I personally like. Um, I also love I've never tested one but the um, the rings I can't remember what company yes. is that makes them where there oh, are a yeah. couple there are a few, but the fitness yeah. tracker rings um, which again they just do kind of basic stuff they'll do pedometer and a couple other things but again you're not being bombarded with the with the stats as you go about your day uh, my, my my friend it's a subscription only service but I think it's called like a Noom band or something and it basically mm. it's just it looks like fabric all the way around with a kind of bit in the middle and it has no screen and it doesn't even tell the time um, mm. but it just does tracking totally. and yeah, just, it's absolutely like, I was like, you're, you're doing a subscription based fitness tracker. That seems weird to me, but actually mm. when you think about the, what that offers and what people are, you know, with yeah. just having this discussion now, I think that makes a lot of sense. We're definitely going to see some, some push here. And I do wonder if maybe that will be one of the ways, one of the ways Fitbit might get into that space mm. is as a way to hit the cheap end of the market, which they really don't engage in very much. You know, the, the kind of 40, 50 pound, 50 dollar like space that the Honor Band and the Xiaomi Mi Band or Xiaomi Band sit in, you know, Fitbit just doesn't go that cheap. But I wonder if they could go that cheap by pointedly doing a, you know, just the tracker. And especially tracker. now that they've got the subscription service where they can carry on making money over time from you as well. Yes, if they yeah. can sell you a cheap tracker but get you in on the premium service, that would yeah. make sense for them. Yeah, um, I think even the uh, the Inspire 2 is the current base level tracker that you can get from Fitbit. And it's, so yeah, like it 80, still has a... Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like 80, 90 quid, I think, yeah. in the UK, which feels about right, which is definitely more expensive than equivalent trackers in terms of what they offer. Exactly. It's still almost double the price of the Xiaomi's yeah. or the Honors. Um, yeah. So it's a big ask still. Um, there's an excellent point on in the YouTube comments from Alex, really excellent point that we didn't mention, which is on the question of why these metrics are there a lot of the time, which is they are not always there for the user. He says, do you think they want certain types of insights and they need to add certain metrics to achieve that? 
which is exactly true because these are of course data-driven companies and that is to be blunt half the reason google bought fitbit um mm. reams of health and fitness data so half the time it is that they you know the more metrics they can come up with and the more sensors they can justify putting on the more data they are getting about their users which is as much what they want as, as anything else and absolutely yeah them introducing a new metric for you maybe because they think it's a good sales pitch and it may be because they think it's a useful metric for a user but it also may just be because that's a piece of data they think they can use on their end in some way i mean um, they loved shouting out like how many people have used uh like afib detection yeah. as a kind of saving their lives effectively they didn't say that but that's <laughs> yeah. kind of the implication of them touting these these like yeah. high figures of users testing out these like the latest features on their wearables and stuff and of course the insurance industry absolutely love these things uh health mm. insurance stuff love having you know Ooh, yes. more detailed streams of user data coming through and insurance plans that require you to wear trackers or give you discounts if you wear trackers and and all of that so there is a lot going on there beyond just you know what's a useful metric for you to have yeah absolutely uh, uh, okay, so the one last thing I do want to talk about on the Charge 5 before we move mm. on, because it is the one thing that raised my hackles a little bit, is the price. Because we just said yes. Fitbit doesn't do cheap trackers. Um, and the Charge series has never been the cheapest under the market, but it has stayed pretty steady in price over the last few models until now, <laughs> where we've had a £30 uh, price hike. I'm not sure about other currencies, but I think pounds 30 uh, it's, or 40 pounds 40 yeah because it's it's been at least in the uk using the uk i've got all the re- like main regions of international pricing on the site on the article mm-hmm. but in the uk it's been 129.99 pounds since the charge two at least that's as far back as we we logged um and this is 169.99 so yep. that's a 40 pound jump uh, uh first and, time ever yeah. so 30 dollar jump 30 euros 40 pounds yeah so, so sizable it's, it's steep i'm i do worry about that because i do we said you know they're competing with 50 pound trackers from from the likes of xiaomi that offer a lot of the same features mm-hmm. and i've always felt that fitbit's a bad value for money at the best of times mm. and this doesn't help because i don't see i don't quite see what this does that really justifies that steeper price increase um compared compared to the four yeah ultimately a color screen that's the main thing I, I could think of. You got is, that on the show. That had to happen eventually. Yeah, the fifty pound <laughs> ones have color screens. You know, you yeah. can justify that as why you suddenly got to you know go up to near two hundred. No, exactly. I guess it's like in in the bubble of Fitbit. If you're already in the Fitbit world, and some people really are, then this might just look a lot more appealing. But if you if you have awareness yes. of the market, then it, yeah, well, it doesn't make a lot of sense. They're a bit appley, right? There's an ecosystem, and if For you're sure. in it, it makes sense to stay in and keep paying the premium. And to be fair to them, they're also appley in the sense that they have excellent software. And you, you know, whether that's worth the premium in and of itself, you know, if you're in, if you're new and you're picking which ecosystem to join, but it is better software than most of the the other equivalents. I don't know if I'd pay three times the price for the hardware just to get better software, but mm. um, you know they've they've got something there. But still, this this pricing feels unfriendly to me, and that I, I worry a bit about that. Uh, one final final thing before we move on, because you have a question in the comments: uh, Does it does it still have proprietary sta- straps? Um, yes, from what I can tell, uh, yeah, it's got. I think there's four different types of straps. They have the infinity mm-hmm. straps, the sports straps. They have Halloween leather straps. 
And they have, uh, oh, the hook and loop straps, which I think are yep. more like traditional kind of buckle style straps, like a typical watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they have a bunch of those. Again, pricing is, I haven't compared pricing to previous generations. Um, and it does vary by market. So there's some in some markets, you're technically getting a better deal than others. Some of them, mm-hmm. like all three of the ones that aren't leather are all the same price. Whereas in the UK, the infinity straps are way cheaper than the next one is up so it's it's yeah depends on the market in terms of where you're getting a good deal but beyond that yeah they look like proprietary straps and i because of the design change i'm pretty sure they don't work with the previous gen and that wasn't true with the charge three and charge four i'm pretty sure you could swap straps between them so that'd be Um, a minor headache for people looking at an upgrade but yes and something that fitbit does like to do is launch an se model as well really all that usually is is a different color or a different strap that you can't get any other way Mm. they didn't do that this year so they just have the charge five Launch it with three colors, a bunch of straps. Um, I think it's one strap that fits all now as well. They used to include multiple sizes in the box. Mm -hmm. Um, And another quick point on uh, someone, uh, I missed the name, but they're asking about different languages. They, I don't know the full language support, but they did highlight the fact that a lot of the premium stuff is still predominantly English only. Um, Right. And part of that is the third party stuff like Calm that they bring in might not support other languages and that's not Fitbit's fault. But then a lot of Fitbit's own stuff they, they is limited to like a, only a handful of languages at best. So that's very poor. Yeah, that's something yeah. I do wonder if Google will push them on because it, For that sure. feels very un un Google yeah. to really just hit English well and nothing else. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of chat about the fact that also because we already know that Fitbit is planning on launching premium Wear OS watches soon. We don't know when exactly. Yeah. People are holding out for that now, having seen what the Galaxy Watch Four mm. can do which we can get on to yes. later. We'll get back to that. Uh, but that does seem like a good point to leave Fitbit where it is for now. Um, so, yes, the Charge 5 is... Is it out now, Toddy? Is it, it's on pre-order now? No, it's on pre-order now. It comes out in late September. If you try and pre-order right now, that's what the website says. So they don't have a specific date yet, but late September, which... Um, they've also changed the release schedule. They used to do it every two years. And then yep. with the Charge 4, it was a year and a half. And it looks like now it's a year and a half update. So a more frequent update cycle as well for Charge users. Cool. So pre-order now, £170 or €180 Euros or dollars if you are tempted. Like I said, uh, I haven't tested it at all. From my perspective, that sounds like quite a lot of money for yep. what you are getting. But still, it does change a fair bit from the previous gen. So I could see some Charge 3 or even Charge 4 owners uh, looking at this and, and considering considering the jump. Yeah. Let's turn now to uh, Apple, a brand we've already compared to Fitbit in the way they structure their market and, <laughs> and get their customers in. Uh, but on a similar vein, we do have new Apple on the way. We are getting very, very close to iPhone season. Uh, we are expecting the iPhone 13 range to launch in mid-September. We actually think we might have a date. Um, I've already gotten this wrong once when we were prepping for the podcast, <laughs> so I'm ready to get to it again. I believe it is September 14th. We are now expecting the event to be held. And yep. September 17th, we are expecting them to go on sale. Um, so Xiaomi's right in the middle yet. of that. Yeah, and then so Xiaomi's holding its event right after iPhone Day, which is a dangerous place to be. But uh, that is the expectation. That is unconfirmed. So Apple has not sent out invites yet or anything. No. Uh, but there's some retailer talk about release dates. Uh, Lewis, as I've already mentioned, is our Apple guru. So Lewis, run us through what we are expecting from the iPhone 13 range this time around. Right. Uh, I suppose we better start off with the models just so we're aware of what's going on there. Um, because mm-hmm. everybody, ex- uh, well, there was some talk that they might drop the mini 
from the iPhone 13 line because it's not selling very well, despite what every tech journalist thinks about small phones. Nobody we else likes all it. all wanted it to be it. <laughs> we were all rooting for that little phone, Honestly. the little phone that could. That little guy. But, <laughs> nope, nobody likes it. Um, so, well, the good news is, I suppose, that it is coming back for the iPhone 13. Uh, because was, Apple was locked into yeah, their production exactly, cycle yeah. before they got the Definitely. sales figures. <laughs> It's too late at this point, we're in. Um, but yeah, uh, going off off kind of um, rumours and stuff like that, it does sound like this year could be the last mini for a while anyway. Yes. So yeah, for, for now. Buy one if you're, if you're tempted by a mini, this yeah. is probably the one to if get. If you're one of the only people yeah. in the world that wants a small iPhone, get it this year or you're not going to get Especially one. Especially because, as we said, they, they're locked into making this in that they would have been designing these things way before they knew how well yeah. the 12 mini was selling and everything. But that doesn't mean they're locked into producing that many of them. No, yeah. So they are under no commitment to make as many mini models as they do the others, and I'm sure they are not going to. Uh, so I wouldn't actually be shocked if they don't make many minis and they many actually minis. disappear from sales sooner than the other models. The mini that we need to see is a new iPad mini because it hasn't been one of those for a long time. Wow. And even before, like the last one came out, before that it had been <laughs> a long time since an iPad mini. Oh, look at him. I got some good evil news. geniusing his fingers together. Good news on knows. that front, maybe. Tell maybe. me, Lewis. Tell me. Uh, the, yeah, as well as the uh, the iPhone 13, there's also rumored to be an iPad Mini 6 coming in September. Hey, look at that! Sporting the same general design as the iPad Pro and the iPad Air, so it should be really nice. Ooh, yeah, should be nice. Bigger display, Lovely, but same body. Anyway, back on the iPhone. <laughs> mm. um, Sorry, I got excited yeah, about minis. Always. So four four models: Mini, regular, Pro, Pro Max, same as with the 12s, right? Yes, indeed. Um, Right, so what's new? This is the question. What is the tempting upgrade? Mm. Um, I suppose for a lot of people, it's going to be the fact that some, not all, some models of iPhone mm -hmm. will finally get 120 hertz displays after... Or like any refresh rate increase. Just, over 60 just any jump, nice literally. Yeah, it's been locked 80, in at 60. 70. I don't, I don't care. Mind. Anything, please, something. <laughs> I just need that smoothness. Yeah, uh, so one of the, I, one of the biggest complaints last year, some, wasn't it? It was the fact yeah. that yeah. they were still capped at 60. Which is if you're crazy. saying some is the assumption it's going to be a pro only feature. Yeah. Uh, well, there's there's right. there's disagreements. Some people, uh, some analysts okay. are saying it's coming to all of them. Uh, some other people are saying no, it's just going to the pros. Me personally, I think it's just going to be the pro because last year Apple struggled enough to differentiate between the 12 and the 12 Pro in yes. particular. Like those are yeah, basically now that they're the, the same display, pro? the same size, it makes it even harder to justify the 12 Pro. Um, so I feel like they're probably going to keep it on the pros only. But, I mean, at least some of them are going to get it. It's an improvement. Maybe next year we'll actually finally get it on across all of them. Uh, you know, just about five years before uh, after everybody else has. Uh, that's I fine. <laughs> um, it does make some sense because I still, as much as I talk about refresh rates being a thing I love and really care about, I do still feel like it's probably a thing techie people care yeah. about and oh, obsess sure. about. And I still think if you went to the average consumer on the street and said, what refresh rate is your phone? They would look at you like like you were having a stroke. They'd, call the police. <laughs> yeah. They'd probably see, uh, you know, it's smoother, but they wouldn't know why it's smoother or anything like exactly. that. Yeah. yeah. So I cannot imagine there'll be people going, well, I won't buy the iPhone 13 because <laughs> it's not, it's only 60 hertz or <laughs> filth, you know. There'll be some angry people online saying that, but I don't think they will represent oh, will be the uh, plenty. poor Apple consumer base. <laughs> plenty I mean, we talked people. about this, I think, when the iPhone 12 series launched. Like, Apple's already managed to handle motion through iOS so well already yeah. that yes. it just looks super slick and smooth anyway at 60 hertz. So I guess, in a way, 
this won't feel as big of a jump as, say, some Android phones. Although I must admit, because uh, the iPad Pro has had 120 hertz for a few years now, sure. and it is so nice on, on the iPad. So yeah. I am quite excited for it to finally come to the iPhone. Um, sticking with the display tech, actually, um, we might be getting, for the first time, a slimmer Face ID notch, which is Ooh, nice. Man. Yeah. Yep. So it's been that big old chonker since it was first introduced on the iPhone 10. Uh, they've had some you know, internal improvements over the years to make it faster and more reliable. But this year is the first year they've actually decided to sh- shrink it down. Um, it's still mm-hmm. going to be there. You're still going to be able to notice it. And I think it's more, it's just, it's it's still the same width or something, but it's just kind of, it doesn't stick out quite as far as the... As the it doesn't kind of eat into yeah, the display exactly. itself as much. Yeah. Okay, um, that makes sense. And so, yeah, that's always nice because you just get more screen real estate. But I think what's more interesting about this rumor is something that only appeared online this week. Um, so... I think it was John Prosser got the exclusive on this. Um, and he's basically made, mocked up these renders based on photos and videos that he's seen of something that's being tested internally at Apple. Um, so it's an iPhone 12 case, essentially, which has updated Face ID modules on top of the case. And then it kind of it forgets about the Face ID on your phone and it'll use the one on the case. So it's Apple mm-hmm. internally testing this new Face ID tech. Uh, and the whole point of that is that it, well, the idea behind it is to be able to scan your face when you've got a face mask on and when your glasses are fogged up, two of the big problems uh, with Face ID at the moment. Um, yes, right. And Prosser's confident that this hardware is what will be in the new Face ID notch on the iPhone 13. Um, right. The, the, kind of, the only problem is that this testing, according to his source, has only been going on internally for a short while. So it probably won't be something that's there at launch. But he's saying that there is a possibility that somewhere down the line, Apple could push out an update via software that brings, you know, Face ID support while you've got a mask on. So I'm, I'm welcoming it. It's an improvement because uh, as someone that's used, you know, Face ID for a while and, and using face masks all the time, it's really annoying having to put your passcode in every time you want to use uh, Apple Pay, especially for me anyway. Mm-hmm. So I have to admit, as, as, as more of an Android user, I do think they could solve this whole problem by doing under display touch ID. Uh, and well, we know now, well, we well, think we know that they are not doing that. Right? That is, that is, I know that was another hoped for feature. Wow. Yeah, I was gonna, that was basically what I was going to go on to next. Um, they could have fixed yeah. this just by putting touch ID back. It's been rumored for so long. Like it, it was supposed to be on the iPhone 12 last year. They were like, yep, in display, yep. in display, it's coming back. You know, because obviously it's so much easier to just tap your thumb on a screen when you're wearing a mask than it is to, you know, rip your face down or put your pin code in or whatever. It's just so much easier and it makes so much sense. And why not give people the, you know, the, the option to choose between which one they want to use? Um, yeah. I honestly still on Android phones with both. I still use the fingerprint sensor yeah. over face unlock. And I know most Android phones, the face unlock is not on a level with face ID. So I, that is an unfair comparison in a way, <laughs> but still I just prefer using a fingerprint scanner. It's usually faster and quicker, and I, I don't know. Just I miss the speed of these. Aside from the masks, things. The, yeah. The 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 non in display ones are still generally yes. faster. Yeah. I, I think so I great. would have preferred it to be in the power button on the iPhone. That would have been a nice touch. Mm. And this is what I didn't understand. That's that's what I thought they would do. I I was I've thought for a while they were not going to do the in display thing because they just seemed like they could have done it for a while. But they haven't. 
and you know i guess it must be the slowness or the unreliability that bothers them mm -hmm. but they could have put one in the power button years ago yeah and they have on one of the ipads I was about to say, it's on it's on the that. ipad air it's it was a feature yeah. first introduced on the ipad air last year so they've they've had it yeah. for at least a year at this point and obviously yeah. a lot longer than that I, <laughs> internally i, I the cannot see Pro. why they don't have that in an iphone yeah no it's, other than it's some sort of weird apple pride thing where yeah. they've gone so hard on face id that they feel like they can't walk it back by putting touch yeah. id in anymore and i wonder whether there's any truth to the face id you know mask rumor so that they're like well we've made strides on you know advancing face id to work with masks. why do we need to put the extra hardware in when it's going to be redundant yeah. in six months time again mm. so yeah i mean i get it disappointed but i get it for now anyway mm. we'll see we'll see how this this rolls <laughs> so mm. that's um that's that that's all well and good. So what else are we looking at? We are looking at battery life improvements, which is a big one because the iPhone 12 range is a little bit worse on battery than the iPhone 11 was. Mm -hmm. I think the iPhone 11 range was the pinnacle of iPhone battery life. And yeah, on my iPhone 11 Pro Max, when I had that, that was just an absolute beauty. That would last me all day and then some while playing games and doing all the rest of it. My and it was celebrated for it because before then they'd been seen terrible. as quite poor on battery yeah, life. Terrible. You know. Yeah, I mean, looking back a few years, even iphone 10 days you know if, if we're going on work trips or something like that i would always have an android in my pocket with my sim card in it and then i'll just have the yeah. iphone for just stuff that i need an iphone for same yeah same exactly the same. <laughs> uh, so yeah so that the, it's going to be i mean <clears throat> the improvements depend on the model the 12 mm. uh, the, the 13 pro max will get the biggest jump i think it's something like 700 800 milliamp hours extra compared to the That's current okay. one so it's, it's a, a sizable jump yeah mm. but as you go down to the the minis it's kind of <clears throat> Sorry, the mini and the standard one had a more 200, 300 milliamp hour, which is fine, but not, you know, yep. groundbreaking. Um, and then to go along with that, there may be faster charging speeds. So it's capped at 20 watts at the moment. It might go up to 25 watt on the wired front. And there's also rumors that the wireless charging might actually speed up this time as well, because uh, it's allegedly larger wireless co uh, charging coils within the new phones. So okay, we could, I mean, whether that's linked to MagSafe or whether that's, just I was going to ask, wouldn't that yeah. affect Max? Yeah. I was say, yeah, the, the challenge with upping wireless charging speeds, it's the same for all, yeah, every other phone manufacturer, but it, it's no use because everyone's tied to the Qi standard. Mm -hmm. And that's what mm. most most people, if they are on a wireless charger at home, it will just be some third-party Qi one. Yeah, exactly. And if that's capped at 5 or 10 watts anyway, it just doesn't matter what the phone can do unless you buy the, the really brand expensive ones. one. Yeah. Apple, to be fair, probably can sell at least some people on buying their own brand fast yeah. wireless oh, charger yeah. and, and get away with it, so heard anything on reverse wireless charging though uh i mean i'm pretty sure that i read a report that says the iphone 12 hardware is capable of reverse wireless charging they just didn't do well, it that's just infuriating <laughs> like <this. laughs> so we can imagine just for the past year <laughs> just yeah. Trolling, yeah. <laughs> um, i mean i think there's more on the ipad front and the iphone front on the reverse wireless charging there's talk about it coming to mm. the 2022 ipad pro range uh, with a nice new glass back but i agree it would be a I handy mean, such an obvious have. thing for ipads yeah exactly especially but with them big it's old batteries still, i honestly for, always forget that iphones don't do it because in my head it just goes hand in hand with wireless charging is yeah. oh you Nowadays, do wireless charging you do much. reverse wireless charging yeah. yeah why why wouldn't you it's <laughs> but yeah no so it, i mean it could the hardware's there the hardware's been there for a year so <laughs> they could yeah but i, I it's That's probably strange. gonna stick to the ipad range i reckon um so yeah, a little bit annoying uh one other area there where there's a decent change is the camera department which is always a welcome change um i mean they're pretty good yeah this is what i mean so yeah. if it's a decent change i mean in, i'm intrigued yeah um so let's start off with the with the with the 
the uh, entry level models. So the 12 mini and the, tw uh, sorry, the 13 mini and the 13. Uh, they, the design on the back slightly changed. Uh, the kind of diagonal now, uh, kind of off to one side. It looks a bit weird, mm. um, but I'm sure we'll get used to that as we do with all these weird, you know, rear camera housings these days. Um, not much is going to change with the main lens, but it's the ultra wide that's going to get some love this time. Um, apparently it's yeah. going to get improved. Uh, it's going to be improvements to low light performance in particular which I think is probably the weakest point of the ultra-wide on the iPhone at the moment. I mean, you can do night mode on it, which does improve things, but just taking a, a snap in dark environments, it's, it's very noisy and, and quite dark. So, yeah, I'm welcoming that. And that's going to be across the entire range, but obviously uh, more, more noticeable on the, the 13 mini and the 13, because there's only two lenses on the back compared to the Pro and the Pro Max, which will also have the telephoto. Um, nothing's going to change on the, on the Pro side. Nothing's going to change in terms of the camera offerings themselves. <clears throat> But the um, sensor shift OIS, which was exclusive to the 12 Pro Max last year, is going to be on both models of 13, allegedly this year. Nice. Uh, there's cool. also talk about LiDAR coming to the 13 and 13 Mini because they were on the Pro models of the 12 range. Uh, that gives you, you know, much quicker uh, autofocus and, and better performance in low light and stuff like that. Uh, but there's a lot of disagreement on that. It is probably one of the hottest topics on, on the iPhone rumors is whether LiDAR is coming to every single iPhone. All the analysts are fighting amongst each other. Some say yes, some say no. So we're just going to have to wait and find out at this point. I love that that's one of the hottest debates among the analysts when it's probably one of the features the average consumer would care Nobody about the cares. absolute least. No one cares. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I quite like LiDAR. But man, the average user does not care whether there's LiDAR in their iPhone 13 or not. I mean, Apple has quietly become the leading consumer-facing AR yes. company yep. because of its its like uh, faith in LiDAR and its kind of like insistence to put it on AR kit and all stuff. that. Yeah. And AR kit, yeah. So I feel like it's all just laying the ground, but it's one of those things that I feel like down the line, Apple can say, we were there really early on, you know, considering yeah. that's a company that usually gets penalized yeah. for coming late to a lot of things. Well, I think when they when we released AR kit, as soon as they released AR kit, they were like, well, we're now the biggest, you know, vendor of, of, of augmented <laughs> yeah. reality apps in the world. It's just like, yeah. Okay, because you're the only one, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, sticking with the camera stuff. Um, so there's not only changes to hardware, but there could be some new shooting modes, which I'm quite interested about, especially because one of them is an astrophotography mode, which is one of my favorite features of the Pixel. Uh, Pixel. Mm. So I cannot wait to see if that comes to the iPhone because I'm so here for that. Um, I mean, Todd, you use a Pixel all the time. Do you, do you get much use out of the astrophotography stuff or is it? <laughs> uh, since the review, I have maybe taken two. Nice. That's two more than so I thought. In a year, I've taken two additional <laughs> astrophotography photos. Um, I do like it, though. And, you know, if I wasn't... I mean, to be fair, I have been stuck at my house in yeah, Greater London it, yeah. for yep. in that time. Exactly so it. my sky is usually covered by light pollution. Mm -hmm. um, and the times I've used it, I've been those very rare times when I've been further out in the country somewhere. So if, yeah, if, if we're going to be moving around more, now does actually seem like a good time to be adding a feature like that to an iPhone that will be mm -hmm. on the market for 12 months without an, you know, a refresh like OnePlus does. So yeah, I think fair enough. I mean, I feel like Apple's usually quite reserved about adding camera modes. Yeah. I think mainly it came from a place of not wanting to clutter the camera experience. Mm -hmm. um, so when it's going out of the but window, then I felt like, <laughs> more and more. Yeah, but they've always had a weird camera experience because like yeah. if you wanted to change video resolution for a time, you had to go into the settings menu. You say, you say for a time, you mean from OS 1 to iOS 14. Or like iOS 30. I think they, they finally did it in addressed 14. it. Though, they so. finally <laughs> let you do it. Because I remember it was mine, mine and Jim, the editor of Tech Advisor, is our 
number one that was our number one gripe for so long that you couldn't change the resolution and frame rate in the app. That's so dumb. But yeah, well, anyway. I, I don't think they need to go Huawei levels because Huawei came out the gate oh, pretty yeah. much with like the craziest selection of camera mm. shoot like shooting modes like light trails specifically for light trails and cars one specifically for mm. water looking like yeah. mist running water looking like mist I don't think they need yeah, that no. level but showing off the low light chops of their iPhones with a mode like that makes a lot of sense and it's an easy one to kind of impress both people watching the presentation and also for people yeah. with iPhones to then impress their friends I mean yeah when you think about it, you, you, they might not even need an extra mode for that. You could just build it into the, the night mode. Um, and then if it detects that you're looking at a sky or something like that, then it will just switch to the yeah. astrophotography mode from within. Apple that. being Apple, it should just be automatic. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, you don't think about it. Why not? Uh, and there's also going to be um, portrait video mode. So obviously you get portrait oh, nice. mode on the photos. It's the same concept, yep. kind of what like I've got here, the uh, fake video background. Um, okay, on video. Yeah, so that was something that'd be nice. way of both showing that off before. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's also in iOS. That, the, it's, it's an iOS feature as well. Um, so i15, uh, I'm beta testing at the moment. In third-party apps, I can turn on a fake oh. bokeh. So in Snapchat oh, wow, and cool. stuff like that, I can also turn it on. So that's pretty cool. So I'm not sure nice. if there's going to be any differences on the hardware side of things to enable that. Maybe it'll just look nicer because at the moment it does kind of look like a filter. Um, yep. But yeah, so that'll be fun. If it... If it plays on the LiDAR, that might be good because even on like Samsung's highest end phones, there's still, you can still definitely tell it's like yeah. post processing. It's like a little bit rough around mm. the edges, like physically the edges. Sometimes the blur isn't where it should be. Yeah. You can see like, especially around background. hair and stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. It's super hard. Yeah. Like, obviously, oh, yeah. it's a hard thing to do. Um, but if they're offering up this feature, I feel like Apple has a few extra little kind of uh, gubbins to help it make this experience better this quality thing, than like, maybe what we've seen mm-hmm. so You know, far. we wait so long for Apple to do things when they do actually come, you expect them to work flawlessly. <laughs> it's, it's, the pressure of, yeah. it's the pressure that Apple puts on themselves at this point, isn't it? Exactly. We're, we're quite unforgiving when they <laughs> when they do mess up. Uh, I'm conscious of time, so I think we need to move on soon. What yep. are the, are there any other big things left we haven't covered? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, just going to say on the price, most people expect it to be the same as last year with with no right. changes there either side. Uh, but there has been one report this week that says uh, they might actually go up in price because the chip shortage has been such a pain for them uh-huh. and everything's yeah. so expensive. So they might actually yeah knock up the prices a little bit to reflect that. But we'll see. Cool. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll say again and get it. Hopefully, get it right again. Yep. September 14th, yes. Tuesday the 14th, is the day we expect these to be announced. Again, that is unconfirmed. And then probably pre-orders starting a few days later on Friday the 17th. Yep. That is the hope. Um, and yeah, I mean, as you will have heard from all that, we have a fairly clear idea now of, of what to see. There, there is room for some surprises, but I, I think it's... it's inevitably iPhones are among the most leaked devices in the tech world <laughs> because everyone wants to know. Oh yeah. So we have a pretty pretty safe sense of what we're what we're gonna see when it turns up. Uh, along with as we was mentioned earlier, the iPad mini six. Is there anything else we are expecting to come along at the same time? Uh, possibly an entry level iPad, um and the AirPods three as well. Mm-hmm. And also a redesigned Apple Watch Series seven. So it's gonna be a big month for Apple. Could be a big one. Yeah. yeah and of course we'll get iOS fifteen yep dropping officially and, oh, yeah. and, and all of that the software updates so gonna be a lot going on um it's, we it's will... good that everyone is off tomorrow and not then <laughs> yes we're gonna clearly need everyone i'm on. gonna be off I've, on I've already put the 14th in my calendar now to make nice. sure i remember i'm not allowed to make plans with friends i'm not allowed to do yeah. anything no one uh, 
We will, of course, cover all this when Apple actually announces it. Who knows? We may end up doing a live special episode of the show along with the launch because we did that once uh, last year or the year before and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But mm. uh, stay tuned. For now, let's go on to today's final topic, the Samsung Galaxy Watch 4. Uh, we've already spoken about this wearable a little bit before, but uh, now, having had some hands-on time before, Toddy has now had one of these watches strapped to his wrist for a while. Uh, remind me, Toddy, have you got the classic or the not classic? I didn't get picked. So Samsung sent me the smaller 42 millimeter classic. Um, so there's for if you missed last week, was it last week's episode? It was, right? Two weeks ago, I think. Two weeks ago, right. Um, in terms sure. of all the specs and everything, I can touch on them here, but really... I talked about all the technical aspects of what they bring to the table in that episode so i recommend you go back and watch that or our hands on and for all the details but in terms of opinions that's where this is uh yeah the smaller of the two classics there's also the regular watch 4 which also comes in two sizes all four variants come in both bluetooth and lte flavors um and obviously the smaller of the two versions have a smaller battery but all four promise about the same battery life that's the general consensus here so i think for me, with my, I measured my wrist because I was responding to comments on our hands-on video. <laughs> um, I can now say with with certainty that I have about a seven and a half inch to seventeen centimeter wrist. All right, show I know, right? The 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 smaller strap and the forty two millimeter classic, I think, look a little bit too small. Not too bad, yeah. but mm-hmm. just a little bit on the small yeah. side, personal taste. I had that so feeling just... with the Watch 3 last year as well, with the smaller model. Right, there we go. So yeah, so if you're wondering and you're looking at these watches, you can now measure your wrist. And if you have a wrist close to mine, maybe opt for the larger size of either Watch 4 or Watch 4 <laughs> Classic. Great. Um, that said, the actual like uh, feel of it is very good. It's very comfortable. The strap is nice. It comes with a silicon strap out the box. Um, although I have heard reports today that some people are getting sent a watch with no strap in the box. Oh no. And they're sending them. So uh, someone I actually know who works at three said they got sent theirs. Theirs came out of the box, just the body. So they've just had it on charge waiting for the strap. And someone's like, we're going to send you the strap later uh, in a separate package. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, thankfully mine came with the strap. Um, Uh, Can I just ask before we move on, just you've gone through the sizing, but classic versus not the, the, the regular what's yeah. the headline difference there's a different physical bezel yeah yeah so they, they work with the same straps so there's no they are proprietary straps in that they have a specific kind of crescent design that kind of marries up like meets up with the body but mm. aside from that they just take regular watch straps um the main difference is just the yeah sculpting how they are sculpted and the classics have a bezel that you can rotate um, just like the Watch 3 series, yep. just like the Galaxy, the original Galaxy Watch, the active range was kind of closer to what the Watch 4 is. So just a touchscreen um, and no physical moving kind of cool. element on the front, although both still all have buttons, buttons on all of them. Right. Uh, uh, and that's an the sensors. the same between both yes. versions. So. Yeah, it's one is a basically haptic touch-based bezel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, there is one thing I would like to test, which I didn't test at launch because I didn't even know about it. But um, having test, this is swim, swim swim proof, so you can swim with this up to I think five atmospheres. Mm. Um, when you activate the water lock, which disables the touchscreen, yeah. Um, one of the things you can still do on this is it's twist the bezel to interact and use the buttons, so you can still do all of that ah. with the regular Watch Four, as the bezel is a digital bezel. Yeah. I don't know how you can interact with it in the same way. If you can only press the buttons, you kind of lose some of that functionality. So it would be interesting to see. Yes. Um, and we are going to ask Samsung for a regular watch for as well and do a kind of separate review of that, mainly for the design and interaction differences there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so 
arguably the classic right now, my impression suggests that it's going to be the more functional of the two designs mm. with elements like that. If you're planning on swimming a lot, maybe consider the classic. Um, there is also something very nice about having that tactile. Like as with Apple's digital crown, it feels really nice to interact with. Oh, totally. It has I, a, when yeah. I was at the, the hands-on event we went to uh, at Samsung's event, what, the, one mm. of the Samsung PRs kind of asked me what I thought about the watches and I hadn't really had a look at them yet. And he said, oh, yeah, I just... I really love rotating the bezel. It's really yeah. satisfying. Oh, and I was yeah. just like, yeah, whatever, yeah. Samsung rep. Of course he thinks that. And just kind of like wandered over and was idly like playing around with the watches, just sort of rotating the bezel on the customer was like, oh no, I totally, I totally so get it. It's so good. You get it, you get <laughs> it. Yeah. It's so good. It's like, yeah. with, and, and it's not, so I was say, I, I, with the watch three, I did the exact same thing. I would just sit there and I'd find myself just rotating it through the day as I'm just yeah. sat at my desk and I'm like, this is just the <laughs> best thing. But, yeah. yeah, as well as it not being, uh, it's not haptic as well. It's it's a physical yes. mechanical yeah, element yeah. turning yeah. in there. So it's you can tell it's not a little it's motor actuating that click. clicking sensation. Oh, so yeah, good. it's nice. <laughs> so yeah, that's really good. Classic. I prefer for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Wear OS is the big I think thing to talk about here. Is how has it been using Wear OS yes. powered by Samsung, as it's called? Um, so this is the closest we're going to get to Wear OS 3 before we see a watch running <laughs> Wear OS 3, which is what Google's been teasing for a while now since IO basically this year, back in, I think that was May. Um, it's really nice. It is a fusion of Wear OS as we've seen before and, and Tizen, arguably Tizen overrides the kind of interface elements for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, you still get tiles. That was kind of how Samsung did things before and tiles was to the right of your watch face yeah. on Wear OS already. Um, that has arguably been expanded a lot. And we're starting to see Wear OS get new tiles now for third parties, which is something that despite them launching the feature in 2019, there weren't (laughs) really any third party tiles. Um, There were just like five that that Google made and that was it. So um, Samsung has jumped on that. So there's a bunch of tiles from all the Samsung apps that come preloaded, including health. Um, You need a separate app for the kind of standout um, well-being feature, which is the ECG and the full body um, scanning, mm-hmm. uh, which is based on evolution of that ECG. You just pressed one finger, held one finger against the button at the top, and it kind of tracked your heart rate. Um, and for similarly to the Charge Five, for arrhythmias or any kind of strange things with your heart, um, full body just uses two fingers on both buttons. So both buttons are contacts now as well. Um, yeah, beyond that, the Play Store is now in play, so you can get watch faces and apps from the Play Store that you wouldn't have been able to do on any previous Galaxy Watch. Um, so that includes things like Adidas Run Club and Calm is coming to it, and Spotify will be getting an offline mode, which is going to launch on the Watch 4 series, but currently it's just a mm-hmm. remote. Um, a thing that launched this week, which is the first uh, time I think I've seen it, is YouTube Music um, has offline playback. So that is actually the first way to get offline playback on the Galaxy Watch series is YouTube Music, which you wouldn't have been able to do before the Play Store was on there. So yep. that's a good kind of reflection of what this relationship is. Um, yeah, beyond that, notifications, very easy to use. The feel of it definitely it touches on One UI, Samsung smartphone interface and tablet interface. So there's definite kind of correlations there. If you've used a Samsung phone before, you'll kind of feel comfortable. Um, the app store is a bit weird. I wish I could use the bezel to access the app store, but you still have to swipe up for the app store. Mm. Um, but that's a minor thing. Uh, beyond that, all the sensors seem to be fairly accurate with other wearables I'm testing simultaneously, <laughs> shall we say. Um my wife stares at me constantly while I'm wearing two watches. She's like, why? Like why? In. It's like, it's just, I'm doing my job. Okay. It's yeah. just how I am. Um, yeah. You need to I do think... that and then get some of the earbuds that do heart rate at the same time. And <laughs> yeah, then, for sure. You know. Yeah. 
Um, I guess, I guess, uh, adding in that, that body measurement feature is good because if otherwise you're spending what a hundred quid on a scale separately, whereas yeah. this is just built into the little thing on your wrist. So as much as it's probably tying into what we talked about earlier with Samsung be able, being able to have more data mm. about its users more than anything else, um, it does technically mean that aside from measuring your weight specifically, you get another bit of tech just baked into a watch, which is, I think, a much more kind of meaningful. Out of interest, without you having to reveal, you know, personal details about your body composition, uh, <laughs> mm. do, do you happen to also own a, a scale that does that and to test the I accuracy do. of the, the watch? Because I'm very curious how well it can do that. Compared I to do. Let me, I will, I will have a look right now live on the show because I haven't actually done the side by side. I mean, I guess the important thing to note is that these are different uh, services. I've got the Withings scale. I forget what the actual like name is. Um, but I can maybe like tell you something. Body, like my it's bone. the body cardio, the Withings body and the body cardio and the body cardio plus. Right. There we go. Look at you that. One of so that's what I'm using. Something. Um, yeah. My body water. I'm trying to think what's the 3.4% bone. It's okay. I've got to run through, find skeletal muscle. <laughs> oh no. Well, the other thing is they're reporting them in different units. So one is percentage, <laughs> oh, no. one is a weight. So maybe tune into the review and I'll be able to give you a comparison. Yeah, Cause okay. I thought that was important to see how as a baseline using a pair of scales to yes, do something I, like this. I'm very curious whether it can do it as well. Cause it is just, it's passing a current through, right? It's broadly the same. That's tank, how it so. works. Yeah. It's, it's resistance through your body. That's yeah. what it's measuring. I, I guess resistance. it should be able to do it as well, but. I don't yeah, know. it's passing through a different amount of your body, though, obviously. Yes. It's just doing it kind of basically arm to arm through your kind of chest, whereas I guess that's the, true. Yeah. it has to come up your leg and down your other leg to the other pad. Yeah, I don't know scale, enough about so. how it works to know assess that, really. But yeah, yeah, I'm very curious if it can do as good a job as a scale, because I could see that being a good replacement of the scale for a lot of people or people who don't want to yeah. buy one. And certainly I can imagine for people who want maybe want body compositional info, but for whatever reason don't want to know their weight. Because I know that is, you know, yeah, can, can sure. be like, you know, uh, triggering for some people Unhe- or a problem. Yeah, absolutely. An unhealthy mindset. But actually you might want to know your muscle percentage or something or, you know, your water percentage. So yeah, there's, there's sure. probably a niche for people who want that info without being told actually how many kilos they are. Yeah. Um, and I think um, Samsung Health is actually, I quite like it. I, you know, if you don't want the Fitbit levels of being able to drill down and drill down, you still get an impressive amount of insight from mm-hmm. Samsung Health's own app. You now have a great selection of fitness apps because of the Play Store. Um, and you can get Google Fit on there as well. It can't use all of the watch's sensors, but it can okay. use heart rate. It can track steps. Cool. Um, so yeah, you, you don't really lose. Um, Google Pay works. The only thing that some people you know notice from the offset that has been upsetting is there's no Google Assistant support. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't, yeah. So Bixby is baked into pressing and holding the top button. And if you double tap the bottom button, it's Samsung Pay. So even though I have Google Pay, I can't change that shortcut right now, uh, which would have been nice. Yeah. Um, but these are these are minor That's things. Small. It's and small, it doesn't... But... Yeah. The fact I even have the option of either or is really nice. I think, I think the, that's yeah. a huge win. Having Google Assistant on there would, would help. I, I do wonder if that will turn up eventually. Because yeah. I thought I remember seeing something, uh, some reports that it was a regional thing. Some countries got Google Assistant and others didn't. Mm. Um, yeah, there's talk of it coming later. Yeah, um, I don't think it comes out of the box anywhere, but I think there's talk of Google adding it as an update. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that won't be until Wear OS 3 launches. Yeah. That was kind of my thought, that there may be yeah. some ties. Maybe there's updates coming to the way Wear OS will use Google Assistant or the yeah. functionality it will have. The definite limitations with the Bixby voice that I know Google Assistant would be able to do. Exactly. Just in the moment. But that said, I can still like quickly launch an app, which is maybe quicker than me going through to the app store and having to swipe. 
um, so yeah, yeah. That, it has its merits still even though it's maybe not as flexible as Google Assistant would be yeah. and that would have been nice to have out the gate and the question definitely remains whether Samsung would let you uh, set that shortcut to it anyway because yeah. yes, they can be a little fussy about <laughs> Bixby buttons and, and as you said on here the Samsung Pay button not being adaptable um, yeah, that's it's, that's it's, a very Samsung thing to say. Yeah, we'll let you have the other stuff, but still, like we're going to make it as, as awkward as frictionless possible. as we can <laughs> to use our thing, and as frictionful as we can to use the other <laughs> oh, yeah. thing. As a reviewer, the fact they've implemented a screenshot hardware shortcut is oh, amazing, and that wow. is so that is useful. Good. But that the is most the most thing. niche. Yeah. niche. <laughs> I don't know when else you'd want to screenshot your watch screen. I guess sharing no, I like, like your brand. Oh, I, like, I ran this much. I want to send I someone. I, you know. I feel like they could have done so time. much more with that shortcut, though, than, than give me a screenshot of a watch. Speaking, speaking, of, speaking of someone that uses the Apple Watch, which takes a screenshot if you press the both both side buttons at the same time, is the most annoying the thing. Because uh... you will just accidentally <laughs> activate it when you're pushing your hands on a desk or something like that. And then you'll look at your phone library and it's full of screenshots of the time. <laughs> just these I, I have this yeah. in, in, in a weirder way with a Ring Fit Adventure on the Switch, <laughs> which I still oh, do yeah. every day. And it uses one of the Joy-Con, you know, one of the Joy-Con buttons does screenshots. Oh, sure. And I just grab the Ring Con from the right angle or do an exercise, hit it. So my, my Switch screenshot library, I have to do a purge every now and then because <laughs> it just gets clogged up with random Ring Fit Adventure screens. Amazing. <laughs> Nightmare. Um, I guess, yeah, it. In a nutshell, I think Samsung's done a very good job. I think it straddles the line between a fitness watch and a smartwatch extremely well. I think it has handled the fusion of Tizen's experience and the previous Wear S experience pretty well as well. Mm. Um, there was a comment, a lot of comments in our hands-on video about how the interface looked really slow. I don't know if it was evident. And when I was watching it, I was like, maybe if you don't know, you uh. don't know. But our footage, our cutaways are in slow motion. <laughs> so whilst the piece, the camera is at regular speed, our cutaways are in slow motion. So it is actually nice and responsive, despite what it might look like in our hands-on. So maybe we need to add Very a little... Very much lag. Like, a little dis slow-mo disclaimer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, it, we need it's to nice do Zack Snyder style cuts between fast and slow. Yes. And, you know. Yeah, racking it up and down. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's, that's okay. Every video from now on with a smartwatch will do that, or any <laughs> device, I guess. Um, so yeah, I really have very little to complain about i think the fundamental price difference might be a decider more than the design difference because mm. it's a hundred pounds slash dollars pretty much uh difference between the watch 4 and the watch 4 classic um oh, wow. which i think i didn't for rotating bezel much. yeah and and a slightly different design i don't think is worth it it's the same battery same processor, same display everything else is the same mm. so you're just getting that rotating bezel and it is really nice like obviously i understand the appeal um but for me, I don't know if that's worth £100, knowing what else you still get yep. for £100. So it's the Galaxy Watch. Watches are a space where spending is funny and people will pay a premium for, oh, yeah. for feel yeah. in, a, you know, yeah. in a way. I don't think I'm knocking this this one down for mm. its price, though, because I think, generally speaking, it is probably one of the best. I mean, now it's the best Wear OS watch, which is a weird thing to say, but mm. it's one of the best smart watches alongside the Apple yeah. Watch in terms of yep. doing it all. Samsung, you know, if you really want to go hard, you can pair the watch data with... Samsung Health-led on-screen fitness classes on your Samsung TV. Mm. Um, you can go really deep with it. So it's, yeah, it's got a lot to offer. Um, if you're in the market for a, a rich smartwatch experience, I think your value for money is pretty good here. It's not a cheap watch, but it's, I think, well-priced for mm. what you're getting because it really does do everything and it seems to do everything well, which is what I was kind of surprised about. Um, I'd say that 40 hours, up to 40 hours, is maybe a bit optimistic on battery. Mm. Um, but you can get a day and a half with sleep tracking in there. 
um and charging is not bad either it's it's pretty quick to charge that like first 50 percent and then the whole thing takes i think it's an hour and 15 exactly from right. multiple charging tests i've done so which is not uncommon for a smartwatch um i do want to say so, on, yeah. on the pricing front even though um there's a hundred pound difference between them the price has actually come yeah. down compared to last year ever so slightly yes like the like mm. the s21 range these are cheaper than last year's yeah. watches, uh, which is really impressive stuff because I think they, they do do more and they do do it better. Um, and I think having Wear OS and, and being chummy with Google is only going to stand these in good stead going forward in terms of totally. support and functionality 100%. getting better. Yeah. I think it's yeah. been a very smart play um, on, on both their sides. Um, great. Well, that is us for today. We will be back the same time, same place next week for more coverage. Uh, I know in the meantime, Toddy should be receiving a Galaxy Z Fold 3. Um, so we will have one of the foldables to talk about soon. So we may be talking foldables next week. I do not have my flip yet. <laughs> I'm not My chill flip. about the fact that I don't have a flip. Um, you know, just one bad day away from from dropping from a grand flipping. on the Samsung store. I mean, uh, our boss didn't hesitate. She was so excited by the premise, so she's so she's going to have a flip probably before you do, Tom. No, I I almost ordered one just when she because she said she'd order one. And I was like, what? Yes. No, I can't. I must have the best. I was consumed with jealousy. Uh, but you know, she probably owns more than me. She can afford it. Um, Anyway, we will be back next week. We'll, we we will maybe be talking about the fold with Toddy's impressions after testing it, depending on when it arrives at his house. Uh, but we will see. Either way, we'll be back then. Thank you to everyone who has been watching, and thank you to everyone who's been listening as well on the audio version. And yeah, see you all soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.